In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Hey guys, in this episode, I'm going to get personal with you. I'm going to get real with you. And I've spent the first five episodes of Why You Can Trust the Bible unpacking what the Bible says about itself and how through secular history we can see the reliability of the scriptures. And we've even looked at how the scriptures that we have today in the New Testament were canonized uh, and were seen as inspired and got into the Bible. But today I want to get personal with you. Today I want to close this series and just talk to you about what the Bible means to me and why for me the Bible is a book that I've been able to trust. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. From men in the arena, it's Equipping Men in 10. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. This is Equipping Men in 10, and I'm Jim Ramos, your guide and host for today's show, and the host of Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men. Guys, I'm so excited to be a part of this episode with you. I'm super pumped. Welcome to the show. Today, we want to conclude our series on why we believe the Bible is true. This is part six, and this is my personal testimony or things that I believe about what the Bible has done in my life and those lives of the ones I love. So I want to start off by a quote by D.L. Moody. I love this quote, and if you were to look at my Bible, it is torn, ripped, scotch-taped, written on. Uh, in the book of James, I one time killed a fly during a church service. This thing's got coffee stains, tear stains, blood stains. It's got stains that are unmentionable. And uh, I got to tell you, I go back to D.L. Moody, who said this. He said, the Bible that is falling apart belongs to the man who is not. And I believe that. I believe that the man who is immersed in the Word of God and obeying to the best of his ability what it says, it is a game changer. So we don't come to the Bible as casual observers or just kind of historical readers. When I come to the Bible, I come to the Bible with a passion and a conviction that says, here I am, Lord, teach me. So today what I want to do is I want to just tell you seven things that the Bible has done in my life. Now, I didn't ponder these I didn't sit down and pray over them. I didn't fast over them. I wrote down the first seven things that came to my mind. So this is my gut reaction to the Word of God. So I hope this helps you guys because I am passionate. It is the most inspiring, impactful, 
and miraculous library of 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, that you will ever read. And a man of wisdom is going to immerse his life in the Word of God. And I believe that as a man, I should know the Word of God better than anybody in my household. And so here's what I believe that the Bible has done for me. The first thing I want to share with you is this. It has given me a a roadmap to draw me closer in my relationship with the creator of the universe. It's it's like God has written a love letter to me. You know, somebody once said the Bible B I B L E stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. And honestly, it is. It has helped me so much in my life to understand who who God is, uh, his character, his nature, to draw me closer to him. It has been a game changer. It is how I know when Somebody says something true or false about my God. It is how I understand when I hear God's voice versus when I, you know, ate too much pizza, right? Or or had that one too many helpings in the buffet line, right? And so uh, it's been a, a tremendous source for me to understand who God is in my life. The second thing is it's given me healthy boundaries uh, or guardrails. It's it, you know people say to me sometimes, "Well, I don't like Christianity. It's a bunch of rules." No, it's not. Christianity is about a relationship with God, but within the context, within the within the within the covers of the Bible, are guardrails or boundaries that that in God's love He's given us boundaries so that we go down this straight and narrow road. And so I thank God for those boundaries. I thank God that I know what will harm me, what will hurt me, what will hurt the ones I love. It's given me a beautiful, beautiful uh, set of guardrails as I travel down this road of life. The third thing is this, and I'll just say this, man. Seven billion people can't be wrong. When I don't mean seven billion people today who are on this planet, what I mean is by our best estimations, this is in the Guinness Book of World Records, seven billion Bibles have been passed out to people throughout human history. That's a guesstimate. You, When you're talking numbers that monumental, you're not going to get them all. It's probably closer to eight billion. But here's what I want to say about this. 8 billion people, 7 billion people, we don't know how many myriad of people have used the Bible to find joy, fulfillment, and success in finding and discovering eternal life, to live beyond this life, to find joy, to find contentment, to find fulfillment. The Bible is the number one source for us to do that. And the number, the Bible is the book I go to every day. When I say every day, I read the Bible six days a week, on average, probably. And I go to the Bible continually as a source to give me joy and hope and fulfillment. And even when this life is a train wreck and it happens sometimes, that I know that I've got eternity to look forward to. And the Bible gives me that hope. The fourth thing is this, and this may sound counterintuitive to you. The Bible has made it clear to me that the majority in this world is usually wrong and that as a follower of Jesus, I will always be surrounded by, I think it's 90%. In my life here in the West Coast, on the West Coast, 90% of the interactions I have with people are with people who don't love Jesus. From what I hear them say, from the fruit in their life, So I am surrounded, and for a weaker person, it can be discouraging, but to me, it it, it puts air in my sails, man, because I know I'm supposed to be surrounded. The Bible says, enter through the narrow gate in Matthew chapter 7. And so as a Christian, you know, a lot of my friends, a lot of people I know are saying, I'm getting out of this state, I'm getting out of this state, I'm going to go to a state that really believes what I believe, 
And, and I, I've had a lot of people doing that lately in my life. And I thought, well, shoot, everywhere I've gone, I've been surrounded by people that don't believe what I believe. And the Bible gives me hope in that. So I don't need to move to another state or another country because I'm surrounded with people of different views. I'm supposed to be surrounded with people of different views so I can love them and I can bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So where some people cut their losses and run, for me, it it excites me, it entices me to get out there and share the life-changing message of Jesus because we're supposed to be surrounded by the majority that is usually and most often wrong. So the fifth thing I've learned is this. There is life after failure. There is life after mistakes. There is life beyond sin. You know, the Bible isn't like some social media platform that's always trying to put its best face on social media. As you read the Bible over and over again, its main characters, the Bible has no problem revealing the fatal flaws of its main characters. In fact, the Bible almost takes joy in doing that because when when the Bible exposes someone's failure, someone's sin, someone's mistake, it gives God an opportunity to redeem that, that person, to redeem that marriage, to redeem that life. God thrives on redeeming lives, and, and the Bible is so clear, and it's such a beautiful picture of a God who willingly forgives. I was just talking to a guy a couple days ago, and the guy did something pretty heinous about a decade ago, and he's struggling to forgive himself. And I'm like, you know, it's funny that you can't forgive himself because when God looks at you, all he sees is the blood of Jesus covering your sin. And if the God who made you and the Jesus who died for you cover your sin with their sacrifices, can't you forgive yourself? And I believe it was a life-changing moment for that man. Number six, I want to model my life after the ultimate alpha male, and the Bible gives me an opportunity to do that. You know, in Revelations chapter 22, Jesus said, behold, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So I want to model my life after the ultimate alpha male. I want to model my life after the perfect man. Hebrews 4.15 says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who is tempted in every way, just as we were, yet was without sin. And so there's no other uh, religious leader, there's no other person on the planet, no one like Jesus, and I want to model my life after the ultimate alpha man, Jesus Christ. And the last thing I want to share with you is this, the Bible has taught me how to treat others. And I fail miserably at that, but the Bible has taught me how to treat my, my wife, how to treat my children, how to treat my friends. Over and over and over again, the Bible helps me in the midst of my impatience, in the midst of my frustration, helps me to, and convicts me when I don't, treat people the way that I should treat them. And so it's been a great map, roadmap for me in my interactions with the people that God loves so much, his creation. So guys, those are seven things that just rolled off the top of my head, but I will close with two things. I I got onto a conversation with a guy on the phone about a month ago, and he was trying to debate Christianity with me. And when we were done, I said, you know, I said, listen, I, I know that you don't believe me. I know that you don't believe what I believe, but let me tell you this. If what I believe is not true, so let's say you're right, and what I believe about Jesus is not true. If it is not true, I have lived a phenomenal life with deep impact on the lives of others, with with a joyful, uh, wonderful marriage and children I love and deep and authentic friendships and wonderful experiences. And then life is over. 
if I'm wrong. But if I'm right, if I'm right and you're wrong, the consequences of your soul are devastating. You know, Randy Alcorn in his book, Heaven, said this. He said, for the unbeliever, earth is as close to heaven as they will ever get. But for the believer, earth is as close to hell as he will ever get. And so I know if I believe the Bible, even if the Bible is wrong, which I know, I know it's not, even if it is, it's led me down a beautiful path in life. But if I am right and you're wrong in your rejection of the Bible and its claims, you will spend an eternity separated from the God who made you, the people who love you, and the joy that you want to pursue. Guys, head on over to my website at meninarena.org. There you can grab a free copy of my book, Tell Them What Great Fathers Tell Your Sons and Daughters. In that book, you'll have 200 ways and things to express to your sons and daughters that will be impacting in their lives down the road. Guys, until next time, feel the wet sound on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.